and welcome to Jumpstart Weekly, the weekly manga podcast where every week we read everything on visitshonenjump.com, as well as something else. And all throughout November, we are reading My Hero Academia, starting with Volume 3 this week. I'm your host, Jeremy. And I'm your host, Kevin. Usually I say the what we're reading afterward. That's fine. Kind of a weird Shonen Jump this week. We got more Dr. Stone, which yes. we have to look forward to for the foreseeable future. Look forward to. Yes. 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 As well as some Food Wars, kind of, sort of. Yeah, I could swear that I have read Shokugeki no Sanji before, like before seeing this. So I don't know if it's this weird sense of deja vu when reading it, or it released somewhere else and is now coming to the Viz app, and I read it somewhere else because I was a Shokugeki no Soma fan, so... I just, I had the weirdest sense of deja vu when reading this. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, I've read this before. The timing on it did seem kind of odd, but also Food Wars just ended, so. And the anime just started a new season. So I can see them wanting to do something to promote that. Yeah. Anyway, we will start this week with Dr. Stone Reboot by Yakuya. Z equals one humanity support system. So I, my favorite comment about this on the Reddit was someone saying, yeah, Bochi was just really, really bored with all that free time that Manga Car are infamous for having. So he decided he was going to write and draw another series. Yeah. So this is a Dr. Stone spinoff by Bochi, the artist of Dr. Stone. He is writing and drawing this one. And I kind of wish he wasn't. I don't know how you feel, Kevin. Yeah, this, it just, it didn't feel like I can definitely tell the art is different, and it's like, all right, you want more Dr. Stone? No, I'm, I'm fine with my current level of Dr. Stone. Like like you said, though, it's like the most popular thing in Japan right now. Yeah, so like I understand why it got made, but it's just kind of like for me, it's like, would you like more Dr. Stone? No, I'm, I'm like good with my current level of Dr. Stone. It's not like I want it to go away, but also I'm not like, oh, yeah, more Dr. Stone, only with his dad. Yeah, the premise is this is about Senku's dad right after the petrification happened and how he got to Earth and was able to set stuff up for Senku. Yep. I don't hate the idea of the story, but it's there's a reason it's backstory in Dr. Stone, I think. Yep. And I'm not super looking forward to an entire series devoted to it. Yeah, and I always have problems, especially with like a flashback spinoff series. Like, how do you build tension? I know how it ends. You don't necessarily have to build tension in any series, I don't think, but that is a problem with any narrative told out of time. Yeah. And we already know that Senku's dad will die. It's got a, a bunch of weird spinoff stuff that's inevitable with any spinoff. I found I really don't like manga spinoffs, which is why we don't talk about, say, My Hero Academia Vigilantes very much. Yeah. Like, sometimes they can be good, but this one, at least so far, seems like, all right, so it's going to be more Dr. Stone, but not with... Senku or any of the other characters while also getting my current Dr. Stone. I'm confused. Yeah, I mean, it's very popular and Bochi's a good artist, so. Yeah, like, I understand when spinoffs happen when a series ends. Like, hey, it's a spinoff series, not a continuation of the main story, but this is weird. Yeah, and be, be written by someone involved with Dr. Stone, but who does not write Dr. Stone yeah. is also kind of odd. I don't know. I did not much care for it personally. No. It doesn't sound I like you did either. I didn't really either. Like I said, it was kind of that, all right, so it's more Dr. Stone. Yay. So that brings us to Demon Slayer Chapter 180, Recovery, which I 
in contrast, liked quite a lot. How about you, Kevin? Yeah, this was a really good chapter of Demon Slayer. So I didn't know Muzan was asleep. I think it might have been mentioned since we started reading, but before I was really aware of what was going on. It It's not that he was necessarily asleep. It was that he was in that weird flesh cocoon. Like, that's the whole reason that they're fighting all of the upper rank demons is they managed to inject Muzan with a drug that was supposed to kill him. Obviously, it didn't. But it, he went into that weird cocoon state, and the only reason all of the Demon Slayers didn't attack him was the Upper Moon, I want to say, four, the person who can control a house. She's like a bigger version, or she's a better version of the dude who, in the anime, controlled like the one house. She makes yeah. this like palace that she can control, and so she summoned that up around Muzan so that the Demon Hunters couldn't make it to him. Anyway, he woke up. And he decided to murder all those pleb demon slavers that were slavers, slavers that were apparently surrounding him. Yep. So this uh, manga chapter is basically just moves on murdering dudes, and it looks really good because it's demon slayer. Yep, it looks really good. I really like the the new head of the demon slayers being like, "Wait, no, all of you get back. This is a horrible idea." He's starting to wake up. You need to wait for the demon slayers. And they're like, "Ah, it'll be fine." Then he's just murdering everybody and. He's like, oh, crap. Now he's, like, eating all of these people and regenerating more and more of his energy. Yep. So, I mean, that's basically all that happens. Another major character dies, too. I kind of don't want to spoil that for weird reasons. Yeah. Because I didn't even know she was around there. I mean, I think, again, I think I had seen her, but before I knew who that character was, because I hadn't watched the anime yet. Yeah, I think... Actually, I don't know that you had seen her or not, because I think we started reading... You might have mentioned that she was there. Yes, I I probably did, because I think we started reading right after the fortress went up. So, because I, I remember one of the first chapters, we were like, so we're being introduced to, like, all of these people that are just around, and we don't know who they are, but they seem really cool. And when I got caught up, I was like, oh, yeah. So that brings us to One Piece Chapter 960, introducing Kuzuki Oden, which is exactly what we thought it was going to be. Yeah. Kazuki Oden is the most interesting person in the world from those Dosekis commercials, it turns out. Yep. Once a year, he does something crazy and stupid, getting crazier and stupider every time he does it. Also, he keeps trying to sail away, which is illegal, but he's a very bad sailor, so he keeps failing. Yep. Also, apparently, he has a harem. <laughs> I think we already knew that. Yeah. And that pisses everybody else off. Well, because, like, they willingly went to him, but, you know, all of the husbands and brothers and fathers are super pissed at him. And he's like, I'm not keeping anybody here under against their will. They want to be here. There's also a pretty great gag where a police officer goes up to him and he goes, are you here to arrest me? And he's like, yes, but I will also take a bribe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's like, you're not supposed to say it out loud. Basically, there's a legendary white boar. Some of the characters in the six samurai group captured it and they're going to turn it in for a bounty. But Kinemon, who at this point is like a Goemon figure thief steals it and is going to turn it in himself. But it turns out the reason they wanted it was because it's parent will attack, which is apparently a mountain. Yep. And the set of Odin's like, Oh, I want to fight a mountain. Yep. Luffy and I would get along. Great. Yes. Yes, they would. And that's pretty much it. It's not bad. It's typical one piece flashback stuff. As we get into the story, I'm sure I'll like it more and more, because that's how these tend to go. But a lot of times, they interrupt the One Piece story. And this one, like we've said a number of times, it's just in a really weird spot. Yeah. So it's one of those, eh, like, 
I, I am kind of interested, but at the same time, I'm like, but I, I, I still want to know what is supposed to happen, and I'm going to have to wait forever now. Which brings us to My Hero Academia number 248, One Thing at a Time, which I found disappointing because, again, manga covers never have anything to do with what's going on in the story. Mm. But this was a cover with Ochako and Asui and the agency they're working with. And I'm like, I want a girl's story. It's like, too bad. Here are the boys. Yep. I'm like, well, I like the boys, but. I actually really like this chapter. There were tharts I liked about it for sure. It's more of the same. And that's not a bad thing with Endeavor just kind of explaining hero work to the boys and trying to refine them. And even taking like our genuine interest in trying to help them out. Yep. I, I really liked his speech with Izuku, where he's explaining, he's like, I'm having so much trouble trying to process all of my powers at once, and Endeavor just points to some dude driving, and he's like, all right, you see that guy down there? Do you think that he th- consciously thinks about everything that he's doing, operating the steering wheel, operating the gas, operating the brakes, paying attention to all of his surroundings? He's like, do you think he's consciously keeping track of all of that like he's yawning right now he just practiced driving so much that it's become second nature to him so that's what you need to do you've started working on all right i've got this one process now we'll work on another one and another one and just keep adding them and eventually you will have control over yourself yeah it's like any skill you're learning you have to keep practicing the basics until you don't think about them it's been pointed out to me by some other critics that my hero academia while it's obviously very typical action shonen is actually structured in a lot of ways like a sports manga with All Might as the coach. And so it's interesting that I see that here with Endeavor as the coach in a different way. Like this is all the sort of stuff that you would see in a sports manga. Mm. And the cliffhanger is a weird one with Todoroki's sister being like, yeah, dad, you should bring Todoroki and all his friends for dinner. It'll be fine. That couldn't possibly go wrong. I bet Bakugo's a great house guest. Yes. Which brings us to Samurai 8, Chapter 24, Hachimaru vs. Ryu Rematch, which is also pretty good. Yeah. I remember really liking it. I read it a couple days ago, and I'm still a little sick, so I'm trying to remember what happens other than Hachimaru beating Ryu this time. And that's that's basically it. It's just kind of like the he goes for the... The way he beats Ryu is he extends his cane arm that he used to have when he was his frail human self. And it has a blade attached to it. So it was like he had a hidden blade in his arm and he goes through this whole, I haven't lost any of the things that I used to use to support me. Like I still have this cane. I still have my father's memory. I still have Princess Anne and Master and everybody. Like I haven't lost anything. I've just gained a bunch more, which was really cool. Yeah. And then at the end, the bad guy is going to do a bad. Yeah. It turns out it's like, all right, cool. Now I'm going to steal all of these, probably steal all of these samurai keys. Which we already knew it was a trap. Yeah. It's a pretty good fight, though. Yeah. And that leads us on to Act Age Scene 87, Expiration Date, which I found kind of disappointing. What did you think of this one, Kevin? Yeah, I both liked and didn't like it because it's like, so last week was, what's Ogami going to do with the fact that he can't play anyone other than Ogami? And the question doesn't get answered. Well, I mean, it does. The answer is nothing, and he's going to fail. But like you said last week, that had already been set up, so that we just follow through with it is kind of anticlimactic. On the other hand, I do really like the stuff with Momoshiro, where 
the actor whose name we can never remember is like, oh, this is why you wanted to do this play and stop just being kind of an idol is you were afraid of exactly this happening to you. Yep. And you went to broaden your range to show you're not just like a gimmick. Yep. So like I said, the top half with him just doing nothing is really disappointing because it's not treated as a reveal. It's kind of the old fiction rule that if you say a plan, then the story can't go according to the plan. Yeah. And if you hide the plan, then finding out what the plan is is what the audience does. This is a weird thing where they kind of told us what the plan was and then the plan just worked. It's the reverse of that. They told us what the what the failure point was going to be, and that was the failure point. But it's not like a tragedy. Yeah. It's just an odd, and I like I said, not especially satisfying chapter. Although the Momoshiro stuff's super good and the K stuff is continues to be good. Yeah. So this ended up ranking was kind of difficult to rank because I was like, I liked a lot of pieces of it, but not the whole. Yeah. I was kind of in a similar boat. Like I said, overall, I think I didn't like the chapter. I had, again, kind of a negative opinion on this week's Shonen Jump. Might just be because I've been sick for a week. Yeah. Like, plenty of it was fine or good, but a lot of it was disappointing. And yeah. I would put Akage in that category for sure. Uh, same with We Never Learn, question 133. A predecessor enjoys the passing X. Like, I mean, it's just We Never Learn. It's cute hijinks, but it felt like it had worn on me in a weird way. What did you think of this chapter? I thought I really liked this chapter. Like it, it's not one of my favorite of We Never Learn, but now I'm starting to think that your mood has been soured by the fact that you've been sick for a week. Yeah, like I didn't think it was an awful chapter. I just thought like, okay, this isn't a special chapter of We Never Learn. Well, I really and, liked the thing at the end where Kirisu Sensei kind of heard Yugiya's dad in his voice when he was like, "Well, I really like Midwinter," and they have to explain the pun that Mafayu means midwinter. I did like that bit, and I like that Kirisu is drawn as a teenager in that moment. Yeah. Uh, it did make me think about the weird time travel plot we've already had, and I wonder if we're going to see more of that in a weird way. I don't necessarily expect it, but I couldn't help but th- that couldn't help but be the thing I thought of. What, you think Yugi is his own dad? No, I don't think that. Well, hmm. no, I don't. Okay. But I wonder if we're going to get more Yugi and teenage Kirisu. Whirlwind romance in the past stuff. I doubt it because, like, they were. Like I said, I don't actually think that. Okay. It's, it was just, was, that was my immediate thought. Like, I can tell this is a metaphor here. I just think the metaphor is muddled a little bit in a mostly amusing way by the fact that he has literally had a date with teenage Kirisu in the past. Yeah. And I actually did like that bit too. It was like all the lead up to it. One thing that we never learn engages in occasionally. And that I just don't like when stories do is when a manga or anime is like, ah, this is just like what would happen in a manga or anime. Yeah. And I guess the previous time I saw We Never Learned Do It was with Kirisu and it was her being like, this sort of stuff never happens in real life. Yeah. And it was the escalating humor. Whereas this one is just characters pointing out, ah, this is what happens in anime and manga while it's happening. Yeah. And that doesn't do anything for me. Yeah, I gotcha. Anything else you wanted to say about We Never Learn? I didn't hate it. I just was like, eh, I wonder if We Never Learn is losing its charm on me. I'm like, eh, probably not. Probably just a weird outlier chapter. Yeah. Like I said, I, I rather enjoyed it. And I think you might be a little jaded because of sickness. Next, we have Hell's Paradise Chapter 74, which I also didn't super care for. I didn't hate it. The ending in particular is pretty good, pretty intense shonen stuff. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt about this as well. It's the... Samurai guy kind of like learning Tao powers shonen style where he does it in the middle of a battle. So it was pretty cool, but it was just a lot of battle sequence. So like not 
a whole lot's going on and I still haven't gotten caught up on Hell's Paradise. So I'm, I'm not as attached to these two dudes. Yeah, I was going to say, I haven't either. And these guys are not my favorite characters by any means. Yeah. There's some flashbacks about some shonen friendship stuff. But again, nothing super compelling this week, I didn't think. Yeah. And that already brings us to the final chapter we're going to talk about this week, which is Shokugeki no Sanji, a One Piece story by the creators of Food Wars. I mean, and it's basically exactly what you would expect yep. from the title. And that it takes place right before Sanji joins the Straw Hats and he cooks real good for a food critic and her clothes fall off. Yep. And she is, she's, you know, super snooty about eating at the Birate? Birate, yeah, is the name of the restaurant. I just couldn't remember how to pronounce it. And Sanji's like, how dare you insult our food? Here, let me, let me feed you this. Actually, I really like, he was like, I don't care if you insult the food, just eat it. Yeah, because that's Sanji's thing. Yeah. I also do like that some Food Wars extras just pop up in the middle to talk about cuisine. Yeah. And like the impressiveness of Sanji's cooking in the Food Wars style for a second. Yeah. That said, I found it, again, just a little disappointing. I didn't hate it, but it was also just exactly what I expected, and that's kind of a letdown. Yeah. It's exactly what, like, if I read a fan fiction that was called Shokugeki, you know, Sanji, it's exactly what I would expect it to be. Yeah. And like I said, when we first started, I could have sworn I had read this before. So that weird sense of deja vu threw me off the whole time. Yeah, so we went through this at a lightning pace, but everything was pretty quick this week. And like I said, to me, at least a little bit disappointing. I mean, I really like Samurai 8 and My Hero, and we're talking about more about that when we do our rankings. Yeah, but there wasn't a whole lot to any of these. There was some to some of these chapters, but there wasn't a whole lot. Like most of the ones we were talking about either had long battle sequences or like One Piece were just kind of like, and we're in the flashback arc now and like, the first chapter of a flashback arc is kind of usually annoying because you've flashed back from something interesting to this. And it's like, oh, this will be, probably be pretty cool, but I don't want, I want to be reading the main arc right now. Yeah. And we'll talk more about that when we get to where we put One Piece in Jump Card, I think. Jump card is the segment where we rank all the manga we read from best to worst, only we talk about it in the opposite order. We have 20 chapters this week, Yep. so a pretty big Shonen Jump at least. What do you have at number 20, Kevin? At number 20, I have Tokyo Shinobi. Me too. Man, is this the worst? Yeah. And it's like, honestly, I was I got really annoyed at the Ninja Tools guy who was like, all right, I'll give you one Ninja Tool. It's an exploding kunai. Don't be nearby. Why would what? Why would you give him that one? Like, here's a live grenade. I don't know how to use grenades. Ah, it'll be fine. It, like that bothered me. Like, oh, I because they never said which tool it was. So it was like, well, we need him to make a sacrifice play. So now he has a grenade, even though that makes no sense to give the kid who barely knows how to be a ninja a grenade. 
I think maybe he's going for something where like we had the kid suicide bombers earlier, and now the kid character's got a bomb he's gonna use on himself. But there's just the thing is so muddled that there's no pathos. Yeah, well, and like I said, it feels like it's a situation that, like, oh, now the story is here, so this is what I have done, versus, like, planning it beforehand. Ah, uh, I mean, I'm willing to give him that benefit of the doubt, maybe a little bit, but that was only a couple chapters ago. Yeah, but he was given the he was given the tool, a, you know, like, a little while ago. Yeah, like I said, I think it was, like, three or four chapters ago, though. <clears throat> Not that long ago. But, yeah, just this villain is nothing. The twist is nothing. It's obvious. And I don't care about Jin or N or any of these characters at yep. all. I mean, honestly, if the twist is that N murders himself here, that would actually be surprising. But, like, of course not. And, like, that's not surprising in a satisfying way. No. That's like a, oh, so so why do I keep reading? What do you have at 19, Kevin? At 19, I have Mintama. That was, so I, I might have been slightly interested on the I'm here to kidnap you. Yeah, that, that was that like kind the of gets worst, thrown out, huh? Yeah, that was like the worst use of that ever. I'm here to kidnap you. Oh, don't worry. I'm actually backed up by these super powerful spirits and can't be defeated by anybody. I'm a Pokemon master. Okay. But then she defeats him because she is also a Pokemon master. And has a better Pokemon. Yeah. I actually kind of liked it. I thought the jokes landed okay. I definitely agree with you that the tension got completely let out of the room on that chapter. Because it looked like it was going to start an arc, but really it's just setting up another normal comedy chapter. Yeah. I have double Taisei at number 19, though. Just because, like, the demon stuff, I just found it not unreadable, but, like, it felt like it was a joke that wasn't landing the entire chapter. It's my number 18. I also didn't like double Taisei at all. Because it was just, all right, so Taisei, like, especially with the situation where it's in, where it's like he ended up losing because he made a play mistake, even though the guy was like, oh, I kept trying to surrender. But I was like, he he kept saying it out loud. Like, it wasn't like he was thinking it to himself. I should surrender after this turn. Like, he said it multiple times. And I was like, it, isn't there a judge that's, like, standing at the table that should be like, yeah, I don't care what that guy said over there. He just said he's he gave up. Yeah. Again, it just didn't work for me at all. I have Beast Children at 18. I can barely remember what happened. Oh, they lost, and it wasn't very satisfying. Like, of course they would lose. Just the impact on the losing play, I felt, was really weak. Yeah. And then the, like, moral afterward of, oh, keep trying. You'll do good next time. Yeah. Like, I get it, but it wasn't super earned, I didn't think. Yeah. Beast Children was my number 17, so. I I don't really have much else to say about it. I was like, okay. I have Jujutsu Kaisen at number 17, which, again, I suspect you have much higher. Not much higher, but higher, yes. I did like the mech suit combat stuff, but it went by really, really fast. Yeah. In a way that felt weird and not like it was just action. I read it in under a minute and felt like I had missed something and went back and reread it, but no. Yep. Yeah. I have Dr. Stone reboot at number 16 because more Dr. Stone that, like, I enjoyed Dr. Stone, uh, like, at an average level, as weird as that sounds. But it's like, would you like another thing of this? N- n- no, I- I- I'm good. And I don't know about you. I thought Dr. Stone was really good this week. And that made Dr. Stone reboot seem even worse to me. Yeah. I have Mitama Security. It's 16. Like I said, I liked it more than you. Yeah. I liked it more than the fair bit. I thought a bunch of the jokes actually worked this week, but it's still not great. Yeah. So I have Haikyuu at number 15. It, uh, all right. This is kind of a cool time skip. 
And it's like, oh, you need to, I'm going to train on the sand to improve my indoor beach volleyball play. It's a weird, very different, like, premise, right? Yeah. They've shifted that a lot because he's out of high school now. Yeah. So it's like, all right, so he's trying to become a professional volleyball, indoor volleyball player. And he's like, I need to learn how to play on the sand. I was like, that I, that makes sense. Like, they even mentioned that people do that. People will swap or they will, like, participate in both. But he's kind of, they're like, he's kind of weird and only wanting to train on the sand. I was like, which also makes sense because it's like. Well, it's most, like people who go to Brazil to play winter baseball. Yeah. It's like, well, you pick up different skills yeah. on, on sand versus, like, I get that that's what he's literally trying to do. He's like, I want more skills, so I'm going to play beach volleyball, but. It was also weird where it's like you need to wait a year and then it'll take two years for training. It's like, what? wait, why? Like, it, it almost seemed like you just needed to justify the three-year time skip as opposed to, oh, well, you're going to be training with this guy for three years. Like, it was just the fact that it was like you need to wait a year and then you can train with this guy for two years as opposed to, all right, yeah, I know this guy and you can train with him for three years. I don't know. It didn't seem that weird to me. But I guess I see what you're getting at. Like, it, it it was just one of those weird little nagging things. Like, that seems like an odd thing to say, unless, like, he missed the season, maybe. Anyway. I have Dr. Stone reboot at 15. Okay. Yeah, I think we talked enough about that. I have Jujutsu Kaisen at number 14. The thing that kind of bothered me about it was, it was like, all right, we're having this cool mecha anime fight, and then the main guy's like, oh yeah, by the way, I set up my genjutsu trap, and you're now trapped in your own time loop. Okay, this again. <laughs> I haven't seen this before, I don't feel like, or I don't remember it, at least. I'm pretty sure it happens in Naruto. Like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, I have seen it in Naruto. I was gonna say, no, I, I remember it in Naruto, but... Yeah, that that's what I meant. I was like, okay, it's the Naruto thing where it's like, haha, I've trapped you in a genjutsu. Yep. Okay. Like, it's not bad, it's just like, oh. Seen that before. Yeah. It's like, oh, how do you deal with this guy who's super powerful and ultra physical? Oh, you trap him in his own mind. I, I mean, like, it's a good plan, but it, it's been done a lot. So. I have Hell's Paradise at 14. Again, I feel like I said my piece on it. I liked it more than the action in, say, Jujutsu Kaisen, but I didn't love it. Yep. So I have Dr. Stone at number 13. Oh, okay. You did not like it that much this week then. I'm trying to remember why I put it down there. I think I might have been annoyed at Dr. Stone reboot because I read that first. And I'm trying to think of what happened in this chapter. The bad guys are still on the boat. That's right. They're stealing the boat. They're going to petrify the whole island. And Magna has taken off with the gun. Yeah, I I don't know. It just ended up down there. I, I think, like I said, I might have been just annoyed at Dr. Stone reboot and was like, eh, yay, more Dr. Stone. I have Shokugeki no Sanji at 13. Like I said, exactly what I expected. I have One Piece at number 12. And again, I think it's that. All right, so we're in the first chapter of this flashback arc. And it's like, oh, Lord Odin is this badass who like, oh, at two, he tried to do this. And then at three, he did this. And then at four, he did this. I was like, I like, I get it that you're showing that he's growing more, like he's ridiculously powerful and he's still only growing. But the part of me that's like, so he does something once a year, like something interesting once a year, and it just gets crazier and stupider every time. Like the hair remorse thing was cool, but just that that kind of build up into, oh, yeah, he did this. And then he like, as opposed to just being like, oh, he's, you know, he did all of that before he was 14. Like it, it just the fact that they spaced it out 
once a year made it a little annoying as opposed to uh, before he was 10, he did these three things. And then when he was before he was 15, he did these five things. I don't know. I like the pacing on it, although I put it a bit higher. I have Haikyuu at 12 because I like this new direction. Okay. I have Chainsaw Man at number 11. So it turns out that Lady Rize is the bomb devil, which which is a cool twist. And I liked the, hey, are you seeing another woman bit where she's like, hey, Denji, run away with me. And he's like, uh, I don't know. And so she bites off his tongue while fireworks are going off. Also, she, she kisses him to do it. Yes. She doesn't just go straight for it. Nom, nom, nom. Yeah. And then uh, Shark Demon saves her, and he's like, she smells bad. What what he says is, like, her scent is bad news, like I've smelled it before kind of thing. Yeah, I did like him showing up to save the day all of a sudden. Yeah. Well, because we know he's been hanging out with Denji. Yeah. Or he had been, like, that day. And early on, Denji's like, yeah, and I'm starting to get used to, to like, figure out how to deal with coworkers I don't like. Yep. Yeah, so, like, it, w- it was cool. I had Act Age at 11. Okay. Like we said about it, I really didn't like most of the chapter but the end bit was really good so that put it ahead of a lot of stuff okay i have hell's paradise at number 10 is is all right uh, i wish i connected more with these characters yeah me too i've we never learn at 10 like i said it was just we never learn there were good bits about it but it was not my favorite chapter if we never learn it might be the one that i most disliked gotcha i'll be right not that i disliked it even yeah but it did not have that usual, ah, that was We Never Learn yeah. feel to it. I have Shokugeki no Sanji at number nine. It, it was, like you said, it was like a fan fiction. Like, yeah, I kind of knew how this would play out, but it, like, I enjoyed it. The weird sense of deja vu made it extra weird. I have Mission Yuzakura family at nine. It was like a little one off chapter, basically, focusing on one of the family members. Yep. And I wonder if we're going to get a rotation of those. And that could be interesting. It was with one of my least favorite family members, though. And a lot of the jokes I just didn't think were great. I didn't dislike it. Some of the action was good. As far as like a one little story, it was fine. Yeah. But I'm, the more I read Mission Yuzakura Family, the more I realize it's not the series I want it to be. Yeah, it's it was my number eight. I actually did like this. I like the fact that the garbage can man who this is, story is about is actually a weapon nut. And he like always has to be with his weapons. So at one point he runs out of ammo and he like breaks down because he's like, oh God, I don't have any weapons. I did really like the wife character whose name I can't think of right now. Like Tamio? No, Tayo is the main character. Okay. She ha- it starts with an M. Yeah, Like right. consoling him and being like, it's okay. Yeah. Think of all y- your weapons in the past. All right. Start naming off the, the caliber of your bullet, uh, of all of your guns. And he's like, he starts naming it off and that's calming him down. And Tayo is like, that, that worked. I also like that. So for one of the things, she sends Ty with a care package of like some of his favorite, some of his favorite weapons and a lunchbox. Yeah. And his lunchbox has like a fork in it. And it's like in his hand, anything familiar to him could be turned into a weapon. So he throws the fork at him at one point. He's like, haha, and uses it as a knife, uh, which I thought was pretty neat. Like it was like this, you know, stupid little lunch fork thing. It was like, all right, in my hands, it's a weapon, like because I'm used to it. Which part of me just then wonders is like, so if he can do that, why can't he just pistol whip people? But all right, I guess he doesn't like, I mean, he still throws the knife, so I guess that makes sense. I have One Piece at eight. I think one of the advantages to this over other One Piece flashback arcs is that there are a bunch of characters we know back here, whereas typically it's just one. I got you. 
And I did like find the Kazuki Oden like most interesting man in the world stuff kind of funny. Mm-hmm. But the pacing is odd. Yep. So I actually have you a Kamiya number seven. I do as well. I liked a lot of this chapter, actually. Yeah. I'd say everything that Yui Kamiya and up is the stuff I liked. Mm-hmm. I can't think of the main character's name suddenly. Kito. Yep. I like that Kito wins by getting the crap beat out of him again. Yep. And then he eats the Mushi and... Oh, like, it goes into him. It's not really clear. Well, that that's what I mean. So he gets the crap beat out of him, gets Kara to kiss him, and then bites into the Mushi inside of her and pulls it out of her. And then what somebody mentions that it's being pulled into him, there's this mention about the chains, and then we don't get to figure out exactly what happened which i think was a really good cliffhanger like subtle cliffhanger because it's not right at the end like oh god what happened it's like the last couple of pages are him just you know or it's kara waking up and being like oh is everything okay and he's like yeah and so you kind of are left with that lingering question of like so so what actually is is he like possessed now or did something happen like that they're not supposed to possess men so yeah it is yeah it's interesting what do you have at six at six, I have ActAge. I liked it a bit more than you, I think. I think I liked the bits that I liked more and was just just as disappointed with the bits that I didn't like. So I don't really have much more to say about it than what we talked about. I just, I did like the, the Momoshiro bits and the K bits and everyone else kind of being like, we need to step up. And I also kind of did like Ogami's thing of, because they... They had made it seem like Ogami was going to have a plan to deal with the fact that he can only play himself. And I did kind of like the fact that he was like, no, I've I've got the one trick. So, like, you guys need to step up. Yeah, but in the end, it wasn't enough for him. Well, and it maybe maybe it's the will like the play might be saved even if his character isn't. So, like, we'll see how that goes. I have Black Clover at number six. I really like this chapter of Black Clover. But it was mostly action scenes, and even though it wasn't the Black Clover art I really have a problem with, where there's like a thousand attacks on screen and I can't tell what's going on, mm-hmm. I did think some of the action was unclear, and I had to look over it a couple times to figure out what was going on. I gotcha. And so that kind of dragged it down for me. I have it a bit higher, and we'll talk about it more later. So I have Demon Slayer at number five. It is really cool art of Muzan just mowing down grunt Demon Slayers. Which always has me going like, how how do you have that many de- grunt demon slayers left? Like, they, it seems like they get mowed down a lot. Yes, they do, don't they? And it was like, all right, so Tanjiro and his group are getting together to become demon slayers, and five of them walk out. That's a horrible turnover rate. How are all of these people dying by the scores? To be fair, all five of them ended up being badasses. I get that, but I, I more meant, you <laughs> know, like, we got a lot of grunts that do not end up being badasses. That yeah. And I mean, sometimes the grunts survive, but a lot of the time it's like, oh no, like they killed 50 of us. How many of you are there? Like, it doesn't seem like there's that many. And yet there's always a ton of grunts to die. What did you have number five? I hit Chainsaw Man at five. I just think I liked it a little bit more than you. I really like Denji talking about, yeah, no, I think work's starting to get all right for me, actually. Yeah. And I like the shark fiend coming out of nowhere, but like it was established. It's just been long enough that I kind of forgot about him. So the sudden rescue really worked for me. I got you. I have, we never learned at number four. I just, I liked it. I, I do not get as bothered by fourth wall breaks. It's the specific one. Some of them don't bother me at all. Some of them are very funny, in fact, but. Yeah, but like none of them bother me ever. 
and I really liked the, well, I like Midwinter bit at the end. Yeah. So that, that drove it up quite a lot. Um, I have My Hero Academia at four. I liked the end of her Deku muscle memory speech a lot, too. But I feel that was kind of all the chapter had going for it. And it's very similar to the past chapters with Endeavor. I am excited for the next chapter, but that doesn't give points to this chapter, really. I got you. So I have Samurai 8 at number three. Super solid fight sequence I really liked. Hachimaru's kind of like understanding of, I still have everything that helped support me when I was weak. Just because I've become a samurai and, and now have to be the strong one doesn't mean that I have lost those supports. I can still use them. I thought that was really cool. I have Dr. Stone at three. I just really like the setup they're in now. Ryusei being like, hey, let's run away was a little kind of Mary Sue-ish, but also that's kind of his job. Is well, to be the one also, with good instincts. That was also Senku, I'm pretty sure, who well, said, make well, it back to the lab. He is the one that does it, but Ryusei's like, I'm pretty sure this is a trap, actually. He stops the drone from launching. Yeah. And I like the bad guy's plan of, we're just going to take the boat, and then they can't go anywhere, and we'll just petrify them all at once. Yep. I just thought all the elements worked really well together. Yep. Uh, so I actually had Black Clover at number two. I think the moment that really did it for me was Nora appearing out of nowhere when the guy is giving a speech of like, ah, your magic isn't all that powerful. You're all tier three mages and I'm a tier, like it gets revealed through the fight that he's a tier zero mage or has access to tier zero magic. And he's like, I'm just more power, like I'm just stronger than you. And then Nora showing up and being like, strength isn't the, like, Physical might isn't the only measure of strength, or magical might isn't the only measure of strength. I really like that panel, too, but it's actually kind of the panel that cost Black Clover for me, because I couldn't tell where she was popping up. Like, it's with Asta, but I had to read it three or four times. Well, it's not with Asta. Is it not? See? And I I couldn't figure it out. I kept going back and forth. Well, because Asta isn't fighting the dude who can summon lightning. Yeah, I know he's not, but I'm pretty sure that she is with Asta at that point, because I'm pretty sure she undoes the chains that are on him. No, she puts chains... Uh, um, okay. You got super confused. Yeah, and that's why I put the chapter down, is I looked at the page like six times trying to figure out what was going on. Yeah, uh, I'm assuming she had been a bird the whole time. Yeah, me too. And just show and like popped up because the guy's flying. So yeah. she just flew up next to him, turned into her human form, put binding magic on the dude who was summoning the lightning storm, thus the chains. I mean, that makes sense. Because there aren't not... any chains holding Asta down. I thought, I thought Asta was in chains earlier. No, he gets like shoved underwater into like a whirlpool because okay. he's fighting. He's fighting a, a naiad. Yeah. Well, he's actually, he's specifically fighting the water spirit. So yeah. we've met the fire and the wind spirits. Oh, I didn't know that. I believe you. I just didn't know that. No. Who's the other Asta's rival? Uh, you know, there we go. You know, has the wind spirit. Like, that makes sense. Because they've mentioned that there's the four spirits. So, you know, rival has the wind spirit, the fire mage captain, the, crazy tiger lady chick has the or no someone else has salamander uh either way we've met two of the wind spirits so he's fighting the water spirit and she's like oh your demon power is anti-magic that's pretty useful but i'll just create this magical vortex and you won't be able to move around and he's like oh it's like because of this magic force my anti-magic is like drawing me into it so then he's just like oh well if i just stop using my anti-magic and use key i can find her and I thought that was really cool. Yeah, and there's something about Black Clover fight scenes. I can't read them. I can't for the life of me figure out what's going on in a Black Clover fight. Yeah, I, I thought it was super neat. Like, I really love Nora's. Like, I just <laughs> love that statement of your magical might isn't, like, isn't all that defines how we fight. I mean, I liked it, too, which is why I put it high. But the fight was just nonsense to me. 
I have Samurai ate it too, because I thought it was a much better fight, basically. Yep. And like you said, I really like the emotional moments. They really work in there. Yep. In contrast to My Hero Academia, not really looking forward to the next chapter of Samurai 8, but this one's really good. Yep. So I actually had My Hero number one, and I, like I said, I think it was that Izuku Endeavor bit where he's explaining to him about his powers, him talking with Bakugo, and even Shoto kind of noticing, like, you guys need to learn how to refine your powers. That's the difference. I also love the joke of, oh, he's like blasting off at full power for a split second from his feet. And that's how he's so much faster than us. And Midoriya is like, oh, Bakugo, just like your AP shot. And Bakugo goes, get the hell away from me, you stalker. <laughs> Bakugo is pretty good in that chapter. Yeah. I have Demon Slayer at one, I guess, because I was in the mood to see Muzan kill a bunch of dudes. You know what happens in that chapter? Yeah. A bunch of dudes get killed. Like Frieza style. Yep. No, it, it, it's very good artwork, but like I liked the emotional bits in the stuff that I put above it. See, I was nihilistic this week. I can tell. <laughs> I think that does it for our jump card this week, though. Yep. So let's get to something more hopeful, which is My Hero Academia, Volume 3. So we read My Hero Academia Volume 3 this week, which, if you're more familiar with the anime, covers the end of Season 1 and the start of the sports festival. Yep. I know you're a big My Hero guy. What did you think of this read, Kevin? I liked it. Like I said, I really like the All Might versus Nomu fight, and I just kind of had Yusei Run playing in my head during the whole sequence and like kept flashing back to that sequence of events. Like I really like... The whole thing going on where we start to see All Might be fallible because he's slowly losing his powers. Yeah, I think it's a pretty good fight. I also think I'm the person who likes My Hero Academia and likes that fight the least. Like, I think it's good. I do like the sense of urgency you get from, like, the risk of All Might maybe transforming back to his normal form at any time. Yep. I just, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's just that All Might's the mentor and so I don't care about him as much or what it is, but that fight has never been especially engaging to me. And also the fact that the Nomu isn't a character is also a problem. Yeah, there's a bit of that. He's just an obstacle for All Might to overcome, so I don't feel that much catharsis when All Might ultimately wins. I really like the beginning part of the arc more, where Midoriya and Asui have to figure things out on their own. Yeah. I do like All Might coming to the rescue, though. There's a certain amount of catharsis there. I really like the other UA heroes showing up at the end. Yeah, that's that's really not. I really like the panel where, is it Deadshot? I don't know his name. The cowboy dude uh, fires off bullets, freeing Kaminari and like hitting some of the other, some of the other bad guys when he comes in. So like the first thing you see is just bullets impacting these guys, and then it's like <gasps> it's the, like the heroes are here, and everyone's like so excited about it. Like that was a really cool moment. Yeah, and definitely the blood in the fight scene that we haven't really seen before gives it more impact. It makes it feel more adult in a weird way. Yeah. When All Might the Adult is fighting. Yep. Plus, I do really love that final punch at the end there. Like, I think that panel's awesome. Him uh, 
just blasting Nomu through the the it, dome. Yeah. It's a good ending to this little arc. I just, like I said, I think I like it less than everybody else because I'm not as invested in All Might, even though I think the fight is set up really well with really good stakes with us knowing that the League of Villains has a plan to kill All Might. Yep. And that he is kind of on his last legs. Yeah. Like, this is the perfect time to do it. And it's kind of the only fight All Might gets, other than, obviously, the other big one he gets. Yeah. He only gets two in the series, and presumably that's all he's ever going to get. Which is fine, because this whole thing is about Deku becoming the hero. So it'd be kind of weird to have the mentor character constantly fighting. Yeah, I just think it's weird when we get it before we get have Deku get a real fight. Like, he fought Bakugo in the early arc, and you can argue that's a fight that Deku has. But everything else he's been through has more or less been a puzzle. Yeah. And I find that to be a weird pacing choice. I guess. And I guess we also have seen All Might fight the, like, Sludge Monster, although that's also not much of a fight. Yeah, that that's really, like, he doesn't really fight him. He just, like, shows up. But that's a gauge of All Might's power, so we don't really need that. And that's not the purpose of this fight at all. Yeah. It's to kind of show where the series is going. I I do kind of also like the purpose of this fight a little bit is showing that the main thing that heroes do is overcome their own weaknesses. Like, all right, I am you were literally designed to defeat me. Screw you. I'm going to win anyway. And I really like how he kind of like that's a lot of the way that Deku approaches stuff and some of the other heroes approach stuff later is, all right, I've been given this awesome power, and this guy's also been given this awesome power, but because I work as hard as I can at being a hero means that I can overcome tight spots. Yeah, and I don't want to sound like I dislike this arc. It's one of my less favorites, but like the sports festival coming up is one of my favorite My Hero arcs, So, yeah. and we're going to talk about that in a, just a little bit. Yeah. But I do think it's best that we close out the arc that ends in this volume before we talk about the one that begins here. Yep. I just think there's not a lot of character development in it. Like, it shows more about who All Might is. It's the first time we see All Might really tested. Yeah. And that's interesting, but, like, Izuku doesn't really go through much. They make a point about how being in this real situation spurs everybody on. And I do get why it's here for the plot. Yeah. And for, like, a starting point for character development, but there's not a lot in it here. Other than we get to see Bakugo and Kirishima's friendship starting, which yeah. is basically just a result of them being like together when they're separated. Yeah. But like you said, it is that kind of like call to action for a lot of these kids to be like, oh, like this is reality. And it, it hit them so young, like normally, you know, oh, first years wouldn't have to deal with any of this. I just think the stain fight that we get later is a better version of that. Yeah. And the all for run incident is a better incident or a better version of that too for some other characters. Yeah, but like this is the this is the call to action for the entire class as opposed to like the stain thing is mainly for Izuku, Ida, and Shoto. And then we also have the the other characters for the all for one thing. Like it's like their specific call to actions, which is why they're the main characters. I just think the specific ones are a lot stronger. Well, yeah, I'm this just kind of like this is a beat. It's not the beat that has to happen, but this is like a beat to be like, all right, so this is why it's going to be cut. These these characters are going to be better than everyone else that normally goes through UA high school because they have been 
tested in fire as opposed to, oh yeah, we're just kind of going through high school and learning how to use our quirks. So then we get the start of the UA Sports Festival, which I really like. The volume ends basically after the first task in it. Yep. The cliffhanger is that Izuku finds out by winning the first leg, he is at a huge disadvantage in the second event. Yep. Because the nail at six up gets pounded down. Yeah. I do really like that a lot more, though, because we get Shoto starting to step up. We really get, like, Bakugo, Midoriya, Shoto, like, triangle starting yeah. here. While we also still have the Ida, Ochiko, and Midoriya triangle on the back burner. Yep. With where we find out what Ochiko's motivation for wanting to be a hero is. I really like the the kind of pace of that, where it's like, what, what why do you want to become a hero? Money. And, like, that's her first response, and everyone's like, well, I mean, you know, that, that makes a lot of sense. Heroes generally do make a uh, pretty respectable wage, and then she goes into the deeper reasons of, like, so my parents own a construction company, and they aren't doing quite well, so if I was able to legally use my quirk, I'd be able to help them out, and, like, I've, because I saw them kind of struggling financially, that's my dream, is I want to, I want to take my parents to Hawaii and have them live there. Like, I want to make it so that my parents don't have to work ever again. And everyone get like, especially Ida gets a little bit more emotional. Like, wow, that is, like, that that is a really good reason to be a hero. When at first you prefaced it by, like, oh, I'm just greedy. Not greedy, but, like, oh, yeah, heroes make good money, so I want to be a hero. What I really like about the UA arc, though, is that it's a tournament arc. And I'm a fan of those in general. But I think that's a really good way to handle a giant cast. Yeah. And my hero has a huge cast. You've got 20 kids just from 1A. Yep. you got another 20 from 1B. You've got other characters like May and the mind control kid, whose name I can't think of right now, who are introduced in this arc. Yep. And it helps you shine a spotlight, not on all of them, but on a lot of them. Yeah. And set up a bunch of future arcs. Like Momu losing her confidence will come from this later. Yep. Like I said, the Todoroki, Bakugo, and Midoriya relationship burns out of this. Yep. And Diver gets introduced here. Yep. And it just creates some really good situations. Like I was talking about earlier, My Hero kind of plays like a sports anime in a lot of weird ways. And while I didn't realize that at first, once I heard that criticism of it, I could not see it anymore. And especially a lot of the situations here are more sports anime situations than traditional shonen manga stuff. Mm -hmm. Like even the Naruto Genin exams, which I think is the closest shonen arc to this, is much faster a tournament arc than this one is. Yeah. It's much more about conflict, whereas this one is much more about games. I mean, I feel like that's a v kind of a Dragon Ball thing, but I can't point to a specific example where Dragon Ball goes to that well. Yeah, I, I don't know. The The biggest tournament arc that I can think of is Yu Yu Hakusho. Dark Tournament? Yeah. It's a big, long tournament. But this one helps us introduce a lot of characters. It helps us put a spotlight on characters like Momo, who have been there but not really got to do anything yet. Yeah. And I think it's a real important step and a really smart one. Yeah. And through some of the character kind of like profiles that he puts at the end of all of these chapters, we kind of get the, I came up with like, like, I really like the one for uh, Saro, who he's like, I really like this character design and quirk design, but I have no idea how to use him. So like, you can kind of tell that, like you said, this tournament arc sets up a ton of people and that's really cool to see them being all right, I finally figured out what I want to do with these guys. Let's get them into this tournament arc so I can start giving these people spotlights so that I can start giving them more screen time as opposed to being like, this was a cool concept I came up with in my head. 
Well, it goes back to the real strength of My Hero Academia is how good that guy is at writing characters. Yep. They're all super interesting by the time you're done with them. But yeah, even like Mike and Eraserhead getting a duo and getting to play off each other really lets Mike's character come out. Yeah. And lets Eraserhead's come out a bit more, even though we've seen a lot of him. Yeah. Here's where I feel like he really steps into his own. Again, later in the arc than we are in this chapter. So we'll talk about, or this volume. So we'll talk about that more next week. Yeah. But I'm real excited to get into this arc. And the start with Midoriya being smart and Batmaning his way into first place is super good. And yes. it's super fun to watch because you're rooting for him. But then also it sets up the cool cliffhanger of, oh, now he's kind of put himself, put a giant target on himself. Yep. Well, and I also really like the whole thing before that of the reason that he is trying so hard to win first place in the first event is All Might's kind of like, hey, you kind of need to show off. He's like, well, I mean, I'm still a first year, right? Like, I don't need to, he kind of has that mindset of like, I don't need to try that hard. I'm just a first year. And this, even this, the previous fight with Nomu kind of has been spurning him into, no, why do I want to be a hero? Like at first, like I wanted to be a hero to be a hero. Like as weird as that sounds, I didn't have a reason for it. Like I thought heroes were cool. So I wanted to be like them. And this really is the start to the drive of why he wants to be a hero and him kind of not just coasting along like, oh yeah, I'm going to be one for all successor. So I need to stand out and shine. Like I need to be the very best that I can be. Yeah. And I think another thing to that point is Todoroki comes out and says, Hey, I'm going to beat you, which is not only a motivator for Izuku. It's really the first time Todoroki stands out in the series. I think like he's been there the entire time. We yep. they make a point of showing how powerful he is in the first arc with him. Yeah. But and then he's also a major contributor to helping all might in the dome arc. Yeah, but, but that's that, where he like stands out and is glowing. Yeah, that well, and that's really all he's been before is just really powerful. Like he hasn't been much of a presence. It's like, oh yeah, here's that dude who's got a super powerful quirk. But that's it. He was like a dude with a super powerful quirk, as opposed to being Todoroki, where he, like you said, he does start to stand out. Now, uh, we, I don't think we actually get the him challenging. Well, he says, he goes up to Midoriya. He's like, hey, I know All Might has his eye on you for whatever reason. Oh, yeah. But I'm going to win. This is a chapter. Sorry. For whatever reason, I thought that was after the cavalry battle. No, and Bakugo's like, hey, you declared war on the wrong person when he passes him during the race. Yeah. But no, he didn't because Midoriya wins. Yep. Yeah. It it was very good. I like the introduction of May. I like May as a character. Oh, yeah. May's great. She doesn't really get to do anything here yet, but she shows up and she's great. Yep. She mainly doesn't do anything for quite a while, but it's definitely I, very good. She's got that Ida fight. That's super good. Yeah. Although I don't think it's as long in the manga. I, I don't think it is either, but I I'm pretty remember. sure it still is on page. Yeah. It is on page, but like I think it got fleshed out a lot in the anime as opposed to... like I'm not saying that you know it wasn't good in the I've read it, but I just can't remember exactly how long it is. There's also some good stuff here. Like, we don't know Mind Control Kid's quirk yet, but if you look at the panel with him, he's surfing on, like, a bunch of dudes carrying him with blank faces. Yeah, it was very good. So it was one of those, oh, man, that's cool to, like, go back and read. Yeah. Anything else you want to talk about with this volume, Kevin? No, like you said, it's I really do like the sports festival arc. Like I said earlier, the All Might No Move fight is just super solid, in my opinion. So I really liked reading that. I really love that ending punch. Of the, he's got his like back turned to the page with his left arm 
punching up with the whole thing of like, hey, do you understand the words of plus ultra right as he does it? Just super solid. So that that leaves for this episode then is personality power level. Vegeta, what does the scouter say about his power level? Personality power level is a segment where we rank manga characters from best to worst. At the very top is Uzumaki Naruto from Naruto. At the very bottom is the guy who isn't Yamcha from that time I got reincarnated as Yamcha. And dead center, we have Maka from Soul Eater. I think we have to put All Might on the list now, right? Sure. I was half expecting you to go either Bakugo or Shoto. I think Shoto probably next volume or the volume after. That makes and Bakugo sense. around there too. But I feel like this is the real All Might spotlight volume. Yeah, like I guess. There is, like literally the volume is called All Might. Yeah. So All Might's a mentor character, and he's one of the best in manga, in my opinion. The only character we have that's sort of similar is Koro-sensei from Assassination Classroom. You're more the Assassination Classroom guy, so how do you think All Might compares there? I like All Might a lot more. Koro-sensei is infallible versus All Might is fallible. So even though he's like, he's Superman, who's then realized I'm amazing at being a hero. Not so much at teaching people how to be a hero. And so I really like that dynamic of like, I'm All Might and I can do anything I want. Or, you know, like, I I was able to save the world, but I can't teach this kid. I'm struggling to teach this kid how to be a hero. And especially having to not be like me and make the mistakes I made. Yeah. So I really love that aspect of him. So I like him more than Koro-sensei. Right above Koro-sensei is Monkey D. Luffy. And my instinct is to say All Might's not as good because he's not a protagonist. But Monkey D. Luffy kind of has that protagonist problem, and that a lot of characters around him are the more interesting ones. And I definitely think All Might's a deeper character. Yeah. So while my instinct is to say he should go below Luffy, I don't think that's actually right. Yeah, that's a tough one. Like, whenever we get to the top end of the list, it's really hard for me to be like, oh, who do you like more? I I don't know. I like them for different reasons. Who's right above Luffy? Moritaka Mashiro from Bakuman. And I actually think he's a better character because he's a protagonist. Yeah. Because we get a lot of his weaknesses, a lot of his inner monologue and stuff. And like, I really like All Might. And again, talking about the sports manga metaphor again, he's a coach in a sports manga, not like a Master Roshi figure. Yeah. Which means he has his own story and his own challenges and like this glorious past, but now he's got to put it behind him and coach Midoriya. Yeah. And so I really like that arc to him, but I don't think he's as strong as a really good main character. And I think... Even though we've only read one volume of Bakuman, I think Moritaka is the better of the characters. No, yeah, that's totally fine. So then, because I still haven't decided if I want to put him above Luffy or not. So at least the, I guess the thing we're arguing is, is he going above or below Luffy? Like I said, I think above is actually where he belongs. My instinct is to stay below, but I think All Might's the more interesting character. I do think you're right. Like, I was thinking, if there was an All Might spinoff, I think I would prefer that to a One Piece that only had Luffy. Yeah. Yeah, Luffy as a character, a lot of the time is him being with the Straw Hats. Yeah. So All Might will go at number eight above Monkey D. Luffy, but below Moritaki Mashiro. Next week, we're going to be reading more My Hero Academia, volume four, and get more of the sports arc. I think it's three volumes long, but it might wrap up next week. I can't remember. I don't remember either. But if you guys are interested, you're able to read all of My Hero on the Viz app, which is how I'm reading it, which is... Great for me because it means I don't have to buy, like, it's not that I wouldn't want to buy volumes of My Hero, but, like, I typically only tend to buy digital because I don't, especially physical manga, I'm not as huge of a fan of having because it's like I've already got a ton of other 
physical stuff taking up space. So it's kind of hard to be like, oh yeah, I'd like to get all 15 volumes or whatever it is of... 22? 22 just came today. Okay. All 22 volumes of My Hero sitting up on a shelf somewhere. So because I have volume one as a digital thing, it's like, well, now I can just read all of it digitally anyway. I don't necessarily need to own it. Maybe if the Viz app is starting to look like they might remove it or something weird like that. But for the most part, I'm kind of perfectly okay to be able to like, well, I can just go back and read it on the Viz app anytime I want. So I don't necessarily need to own it. All right, then. Until next time, our opening theme is Fighting Against One's Will by Midair Machine. Our closing theme is A Psychic Fistfight by Tom W. Emmert. Other music on the show is by Spectacular Sound Productions. And our art is by Kate Wing on DeviantArt. Is there anything you'd like to plug this week, Kevin? Not this week. All right. See you next week, guys. Bye.